The, this chalom, uh, this dream that Yaakov dreamt on his way out of Eretz Yisrael in the direction of Aram Narayim. The Pasuk says, if you look at the first section on the, on the sheet, the Pasuk says, Vayachalom. Vayachalom. Yachalom sometimes means a prophecy. But, but here, I guess it means he had a dream. He actually had a dream. There is this ladder, and the ladder is on the ground. And if you look up, it goes all the way up to heaven. Whatever heaven might mean. That's what he saw. He saw the angels of God. I mean, somehow he recognized them. Maybe they had little pins that said angel, or angel of God, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I guess, I guess Yaakov was sensitive enough to some things to be able to recognize <coughs> that there were angels going up and down. But Avraham apparently didn't. Abraham, well, the angels, the angels could put up a good front of looking like people. So for Avraham, they looked like people. For Yaakov, they looked like angels. And I guess that's what he saw. Malachi lukim olim v'yordim bo. The olim v'yordim, I mean, take it up from Rashi a little bit, but before we look at Rashi, uh, are they the same angels? I mean, the ones that are olim, it's like the, the kids on an escalator. You know, little kids, they go up and then they go down the down escalator. Is that how it was for the angels? No, no. Pasuk Yud Gimel, Hashem This is serious. Maybe the angels is not so serious. I mean, what are angels? Anyway, they just do what they're told. But it, uh, this pasuk says there's something very serious going on. Hinei Hashem Nitzav Allah, that God is standing above it. Nitzav means to be very strongly erect, you know. Atem Nitzavim Hayom. Atem, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Bnei Yisrael, Atem Nitzavim Hayom, which means you're here forever. Like this contract that you're signing, the agreement with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's going to be forever, like you're going to be forever. Uh, and so, Vinei Hashem Nitzav Alav, Vayomar, Ani Hashem, Elokei Abraham Avichu, Elokei Yitzchak, Ha'aretz Asher Atar Shochei, V'Lelchat Nenel Lezar Echa. So you know that the Kabbalists were very interested in the use of God's name. Uh, so the most popular names are Hashem, Yudkei, Vavkei, and Elokim. Those are the popular names of God that are used in the Torah. Now you see in this Pasuk, in this pasuk, pasuk Yikimel says, "V'inei yud kevavke nitzav alav," but then it says, "Vayomer," and then it says, "Vayomer ani yud kevavke elokei Avraham Avinu Avicha elokei Yitzchak." So there's like a difference. Like, I am yud kevavke, who is the God of of Avraham and Yitzchak, right? So you have to somehow. Um, so the Kabbalists would want to accommodate that. They want to know why this change of names is used in the same in the same pasuk. Uh, then it says, So 
So here you have the, the real problem of this of these psukim. We'll go on the psukim in a minute. But the real problem of these psukim is what what's the important thing? Is it the message or is it the vision? And if the message is important, like God says to Yaakov Avinu, don't worry, I mean, you're leaving Eretz Israel, but it's yours, you'll get it back, you'll come back, you know, whatever, whatever that discussion is. So then what do I need the angels going up and down for? And what do the angels tell me, if anything? If you look at the, the psukim, right, the pasuk uh, Yudalit, Vayazar Aretz, it's again the promise that was given originally to Avram Avinu, given now to Yaakov. Okay, whatever that means. I mean, other than being the, the, the lyrics to a popular Jewish song. Uh, uh, like, what do you mean, Parasta? Parasta from where? From when? But let's say that these words have something to do with the inheritance of the land, right? You can't, that's how you are paratzta, you're paratzta in land. And then he says, V'nivrechu b'cha kol mishvechot adama u'vezarecha. V'nivrechu b'cha, it'll be good for you, so there'll be an overflow that all the other nations of the world will also benefit. They're also it's a benefit for what's good to you. That's what the psukim say. But I ask you again. So why are the malachim olim the yordimbo? Why do you have this vision of malachim v'ashem nitzav alav? And then God speaks to, to, uh, um, to Yaakov and tells him, uh, you know, promises him that the bracha that was given to Avram Avinu and then repeated to Yitzchak and Yitzchak repeated it to Yaakov and now HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kiviyachol is telling it directly to to Yaakov is it like you know this is like the the Ovos the, the, the Ovos did not I don't know I mean I don't know but I'm saying it would sound like the Ovos were not confident since HaKadosh Baruch had to repeat this promise again and again, then you would think that a promise is a promise. I mean, HaKadosh Baruch makes a promise, so that's the end of the discussion. He says, no, HaKadosh Baruch keeps repeating this promise. This is a promise that, that, that doesn't sink in quite. In other words, the reality is annoying sometimes. You know, since uh, here is Yaakov, he's getting chased out of, uh, out of Eretz Yisrael by Esav, Yaakov is the good guy, and Esav is the bad guy, and Yaakov is running helter-skelter. His father agrees, and his mother agrees. They're the ones who should have more faith in the promise than, uh, than uh, Yaakov had. So why did Yitzchak Rivka just say to him, uh, stay, don't worry, God promised that you're going to be the father of a great nation. I mean, so you'll probably be alive when this is all over. And in fact, at the end, at the end of, uh, you know, you remember last, last year, next week's parasha from last year, if you remember that. So you remember that, uh, uh, that Yaakov confronted Esau and miraculously uh, was able to, uh, to overcome. I mean, however he overcame, you know, like, but somehow he did. There was a physical interaction and, uh, and Yaakov won, and his family was there, and Esau left with his 400 soldiers. So why could they do that now? 
why, why couldn't God just miraculously save Yaakov and put Esau in some kind of a bubble? You know, have him like roll around Eretz Kedah. Well, what is it that is happening exactly that God has to promise Yaakov over again and say to him, and say to him, look, I know you're going, you're having a, a miserable time. So this, this question is so, um, it's so prevalent in our sources that even the Ramban and other Mephoshim as well, in order to justify, in order to, to understand why a story like this could happen, say that Yaakov was kind of the prototypical Jew throughout the ages. And Yaakov had to prove that you could go into the diaspora and come back from the diaspora. I mean, which seems like a, like a rather fantastic idea, but, but it's the way they explained this imponderable. Like, why is, Ace, why is Yaakov, why does Yaakov have to have this dream? What does the dream do for Yaakov, Yaakov's understanding of things? Now, Pasuk uh, Tedvav, so God says, now I'll tell you pshat in what the promise means. This is like God explaining God to Yaakov, right? God says, the promise is intact. You're going to be the father of a great nation. You're going to inherit the land. And you know what that means? That I'm going to take care of you. I mean, I'm not going to let anything happen to you which would, uh, from your side, uh, end the promise or make the promise un un unacceptable. Pasuk Ted Zion, Vayikatz Yaakov Bishnato, Yesh Hashem HaMakom now this is really a difficult, uh, not difficult, the words are easy enough, but here's Yaakov, he gets up. He gets up from the sleep that he's in, and he, uh, he makes this rather remarkable statement. Uh, after all, God spoke to many people before this moment, right? Avram and Yitzchak and Rivka and uh, Sarah and uh, Lot a little bit, and uh, you know, Talking to God is not, is not such a remarkable thing in the eyes of the Torah. So what is it that Yaakov is saying? Like he takes, to me it sounds like it means that he took it with him. He, he woke up with the, with the dream. He, he, it was like, you know, sometimes you dream something or you think you dream something and you wake up and you don't remember exactly what it is. Or you say you didn't dream or something like that. Like you could be screaming and yelling in the middle of the night and then when you get up, you say, no, I didn't dream anything. Right? That's, that's like, you know, most people are crazy. <laughs> so that's a, a little crazy there also. I mean, what's, what's the big deal? So what does he say? What, what is Yaakov saying? By Yom Achain, Achain means Cain. Cain. Yes, it's true. It's really true. What is this theology? What did he think before? What did he think before there was a dream? That Yesh Hashem only in certain fancy dresses, but not Bamakom Azeh? 
What, 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 are we, what are we learning here? Anochi lo yadati. Anochi lo yadati. In other words, I, Yaakov, am different than Avram and Yitzchak because there's something that I didn't know that I just found out. Isn't that... Anochi lo yadati doesn't mean I didn't learn my second uktzin. You know, in the yeshiva of Shane Weber, maybe he did learn a second uktzin, but I mean, it's not like Anochi lo yadati something, and now I know something. I mean, that would not be something, I mean, but you have to say, I am the Talmud of Avram and Yitzchak and Sora and Rivka, and they taught me everything I was supposed to know, and there's something I didn't know. Now I know it. But the only trouble with that interpretation is we don't know what it is. Pasuk Yud Zayin, Vayira, Vayomar, Manorah Vakobazeh, Vayira, Vayomar, you know Vayira, Vayira is the word that means sometimes fear of something, something frightening, and also the fear of God, which is a, a, a religious response. It, was, it doesn't mean I'm a, a fear of God doesn't, probably doesn't mean I'm afraid of what God might do to me. It's rather that when you confront certain things that are imponderable, you're consumed by fear. It's not, it's, it's like, like, um, the unknown frightens us. Like we go to some place, we don't know whether to go to the left or the right, whether it's dark or it's light. I mean, all those things kind of frighten us at first because we, we don't know something about it. Whereas God is totally imponderable. Like you meet up with something that, that you have no way of, of evaluating, you have no way of putting it into a, into a context. So that's Yiras Hashem. That's Yiras Hashem, which, which would mit Galgel into this idea of Yirat Shamayim, right? But it's really the same. So the word Vayira, you have to always think Vayira, Vayomar, Manorah Makomazeh, right? Norah, Norah, Morah, it's frightening. It knows Norah produces Yira. So if I say Manorah Makomazeh, I'm talking about God. I'm not talking about the physical land, the, the, the way the land is, or whether the hills are high or low, or something like that. You know, we saw last week also, is a word that designates pointing. When you can point at something, it's close. You can say, he's pointing at something. What's the ze? What's the ze? The first time we heard these words, I don't know what he's talking about. He's, he's out in the middle of nowhere. He's went to sleep on a stone. Right? What's the... What's bait? What? Also talking to himself, right? Yeah, so what was he referring to, I mean? That's weird. What? That's strange. Today we're talking telephones. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Seder. That's, I, I, didn't re- I, didn't, uh, I didn't catch what you were saying. Uh, okay. But what is he saying? What, what is he saying? He could point at something. There's nothing there. <clears throat> He's woke up. He looks around. There's nothing there. And he says, This is certainly Beit Elohim. Okay, Beit Elohim, we translate right away to the Beit HaMikdash, which certainly did not exist, right? And so, so, so then it says, Now what could that possibly mean. We've never heard, maybe on, on 
Yom Kippur, but we've never heard of Sha'ar HaShabbat. I mean, what, what, what is it? Is a gate that goes to heaven? I mean, I mean, what gate is he talking about? What is it that, that Yaakov is, what is it that Yaakov is referring to? So let, let's skip the Rashi for, for the time being and see if we can uh, figure it out. The second source is in Bereshit Perik Aleph. Vayom Elohim, this is the uh, second day of creation. Vayom Elohim, Yehir Akia Betocha Mayim. So you know that part of the, one of the ways of creating the world was mavdil, right? That was one of the ways of creating the world, to separate one thing from another. And then, so the Pesach says that God created a rakia. I haven't got a clue of what a rakia is, right? But you know that it's translated usually as firmament. For years... I didn't have a clue what that meant either, but then finally I figured out that firmament must come from the word firm. Mm-hmm. Something firm. Like, like up in heaven, there's a shelf, a big shelf, where it separates what's below the shelf and what's above the shelf. So I figured that the people who said firmament probably didn't know what they were talking about. You know, like they, they were either drunk or... Uh, or otherwise indisposed when they translated the pasuk. But it's a problem of translation. You know, you can't say in a translation, I don't know what this word means. It's just not acceptable, right? <laughs> you have to say something. You have to say something. So King James. <laughs> okay, sometimes you could do that. But in the, in, the, in the translation of the Bible, they didn't leave out a word. They translated every word as did Ungulus. But for Ungulus it was easier because Aramaic and Hebrew are similar sometimes. So you could write for an unknown Hebrew word, you could write a similar unknown Aramaic word. The art scroll does that. They write the art scroll, don't they have a new, a new translation? Isn't the art scroll new somehow? Uh, it new usually means you take the King James and you spell the words a little differently. But uh, basically, it's the same. Except for what's his name? Put made a new translation. Aaron Kaplan. 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 He made a new translation. But uh, I don't think I don't think Archgold's a little bit a little bit different. They have certain things that they change. But but translation is very difficult. I don't even blame Archgold for that. So does Archgold also say firmament? No what? Does Archgold also say firmament? <laughs> I was hoping nobody would ask me that. <laughs> uh, but you could check it. I could, yes. You could check it, right. I don't know. I don't remember. That's what I don't remember. But anyway, this rakia is vitocha mayim. It's, it's somehow in the waters. Right? So now, pasuk Pasuk Zion is a further interpretation of Pasuk Vav. And Pasuk Zion says, So God made this rakia, made something, vayas. Right? That's part of creation. Vayavdel. And again, emphasizing the word vayavdel. 
to distinguish something. There are different kinds of creation, right? There's a creation of Yeshmi Ayin. Everybody agrees that there was something created Yeshmi Ayin. Then there's creation Yeshmi Yesh. And then there's Vayabdel, the kind of creation where you just, by distinguishing things, you create like, uh, like dry land was created by moving over the water and making a vayavdel. Here's water, and here's, here's dry land. So that nothing new was created, but the way it was organized was adjusted. So again, in this Pasuk Zayin, Pasuk Zayin says, Vayasa lukim et harakia, vayavdel ben amayim, Hashem itachad l'rakia, uven amayim, Hashem i'al harakia, vayichet. So now if I had to paint the painting of the rakia, so I would, I would like make water, and then on top of the water, I make the, the sky. And in the middle, I'd make a plank. And I'd say, that's it. That's how it was. There was a necessity to separate the up from the down. Now, why? Up is water and down is water. I mean, what's the necessity in creation to do, to do this thing? So look at Rashi. Rashi says, Yihirakia, Yichazek Arakia. Make it stronger. This Rashi Rashi there's a different question. He says, after all, it says Brashabar Lukibitashamayim Vatarat and one one shot is that God actually created the heavens. So he said, What's the difference between the Rakia and the heavens? Adayin Lachimayu. Right? The 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 heavens were 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 uh, uh, moist, liquidy, so uh, they weren't solid. Sheni, and they kind of got uh, icy or, or hard on the second day. Migraat Hakadosh Baruchu Omro Yehi Rakia. Right? It, that's what Yehi Rakia means. Let there be a, a strong one, let there be a firm one. Vizeu shekatuva. There's a pasuk in in Eov which is similar. We'll skip it. Ubesheni yitmahu migraato. On the second day, the 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 this deficiency was strengthened. Kadam shemishdomeim vaomeid migraat hamayim alav. So like that. That's what it means. I mean, I, I somehow Rashi is is trying to say that the rakia of the first day is different than the rakia of the second day, but he doesn't tell us what you need a rakia for. Right? So now look at Pasuk Zion. You see Pasuk Zion in Rashi? Tikno al omado He fixed it on its on its stilts or on its its platform or, or the way it is. Vehi asiyato, and that's called vayas. That God did not create the rakia. Then He just put it in its place firmly, right? It was firm and it was placed firmly. Vehi asiyato, and that's why it says the verb as vayas kimo vastat zibarneha vastat zibarneha. Remember this woman that you find in battle, the fatoa. She does her nails. You say that in English also, don't you? I mean, if you do that. Kimo vastatsi parneha. Me'at la rakia. 
Al harakia lo neemar ela mei al harakia. Rashi Rashi has this good sense of language, and he says that they have to explain why it says mei al harakia, but not al harakia. The fish ain't tluim ba'avir. They're hanging in the air. So how come the second day doesn't say Vayer Vayvoker Vayar Lakim Kitov? I'm sorry. Lefish Elon Nigmara Melechet Hamayim Adyom Shlishi Vare Itchil Bo Basheni Vidavash Elon Nigmar Eino B'Milu O U'Betuvo. So that this rakia was not uh, was not uh, uh, everything. It's not all the vayavdel. You have to wait till the third day to the till the waters get collected and separated from the land, and that's connected to the rakia somehow, right? That's why yom shlishi people want to get married, right? I, I mean on Tuesday. I cost more to get married on Tuesday than on Monday. So it says, So so you, there's something strange about this rakia. Is it part of the creation? It was started on the first day, but it, it, it ended on the second day, and, and therefore it's my mind kitov, but it's not, the kitov is not all on the first day, but it's on the second day. There's something about this that that's, doesn't strike me as being uh, proper. Okay, then the last pasuk is pasuk chet. Right? That's the, that's what what Rashi was talking about. If you look at the Rashi, sa mayim, shem mayim, esh mayim, shibavan zeba zeba samihem shamayim. What do you think about that? Esh umayim. It was Eishumayim is something that can't live together in the world, in our world. So Shamayim is a remez for Eishumayim. That that's what the Rakia was made out of. But he had these kind of strange ideas in Rashi. One, one more parsha. If you turn the page. Perik Yud Aleph. Vayikola Aret Safa Echadu Dvarim Achadim. Right? Rashi says, Safa Achat Lashon HaKodesh. Everybody spoke Hebrew in, in, after creation. God spoke Hebrew. Adam HaRishon spoke Hebrew and Chava. And then later on, when you had the nations of the world, everybody spoke Hebrew. Vayihi b'nasam mikedem vayimtsu'u b'ka b'eret shina v'yeshvu shav. And it came to pass when they went from the east and they found a bik'ah, they found a, a valley, the Eret Shinar, which is in the land of Babel, and had this, this interesting, curious conversation. Let's, uh, let's make uh, bricks. When will burn them in the furnace. Vatihi lahem halavena laeven, and the, those bricks will become like stones. Vachemor hayalem lechomer, and the stuff you make it out of will become, will be used again and again. 
ויאמרו, הבה נבנה לנו עיר ומגדל וראשו בשמיים ונעשה לנו שם, פן נפוץ על פני כל הארץ. וואו. ויאמרו, and they said to each other, because it's all because they could speak the same language. That's why they were talking to each other. So there was a fault in creation. You know, everybody agrees that there's a fault in creation. I mean, every, the Mephoshim. They all agree there's a fault that God created the world, but somehow there's a fault in creation, which is the way we get to Bechirach of Shit, right? Everybody knows that there shouldn't be Bechirach of Shit. Because we should, by our natural inclination, always do the good thing, the right thing, the positive thing, since we're created by God. And since God is certainly, certainly good, so we created by God should certainly incline, be inclined to do good. But we aren't. We have free choice. So what does free choice mean? We can consider doing the wrong thing. Uh, if you can't consider doing the wrong thing, so you don't have free choice. Licha'ura. I mean, I'm just telling you what people say. I'm not telling you that I know anything about this topic. So, so we have free choice. That's what we have decided. That's what the, the, there's even a posseg in the Torah that seems to indicate that. Means that you have free choice and you should choose wisely. But it also means that you could choose wrongly. If you can't choose wrongly, you don't have free choice. And free choice was invented by Adam Harishon, who chose poorly. But he proved to us that we have free choice. And it was the fact that Adam Harishon and Chava were able to choose poorly, even though they knew that God told them not to, meant that, that even commanded directly by God, they have free choice. And that's why Avram Avinu represented the superior human being. Because when God told him to do something, he did it. That's what a Nisayon is. The Nisayon is to see whether he could deal with the fact that he had free choice. And he did. Avram Avinu, and that's why Avram Avinu is called Ohavi. The Novi Yishayahu. The Rabbam quotes it. The Rabbam calls him when he talks about the creation of the world, the creation of Abizori, Rabbi calls him Avraham Ohavi. Because, because this Ava, this Ava is the perfection that was represented by Avram Avinu, where he was able to choose correctly. And God told him to go to Eretz Canaan, which is not a big deal. And apparently he was in, uh, he was in Haran, and Haran was at that time a major trading center, right? So who knows? I mean, Avram Vidu could have opened up, a, you know, a, an Amazon book uh, store in Haran. And God told him to go to Eretz Canaan. Eretz Canaan was nothing. I mean, historical sources. There was nothing there. Eretz Canaan was just the place that everybody overran. Like when the Babylonians were strong, they overran it on the way to Egypt. When the Egyptians were strong, they overran it on the way to Babylonia or Syria. But Eretz Israel was never, you know, a real, a real power or a place that pulled people 
in that direction, right? The people lived there, but they, they, there was no big aliyah in the, the days before, uh, in the days of the Melachim. I mean, they were fighting against Ammon and Moab and Plishtim, you know, minor players in the political scene. They were not uh, fighting well against Pavel and Ashur in Egypt, who were the major, major, uh, the major players in the, uh, the political, uh, the political scene. So Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu understood that a direct command from God had to be responded to. He had to do, he had to do what God wanted, and that was how Avram Avinu justified the creation of the world. And eventually, eventually that somehow got into the DNA of the Jewish people, that if God directs you to do something, you do it. Right, we developed notions like pikuach nefesh and and, and mesirus nefesh and things that where, where we say we could understand that sometimes God's demand. I mean, we 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 adjusted our thinking about it because there of the seven thousand mitzvot that exist, right? Besides the six hundred and thirteen that you've heard about, but there are like seven thousand others that exists. So not all of them are the same when it comes to Mesirat Nefesh, but it doesn't mean that we've abandoned the notion of Mesirat Nefesh. We do not abandon that notion. And that we all got, we got that all from Avram Avinu. And also from Yitzchak. I mean, Yitzchak, Yitzchak was, uh, Yitzchak was by Yechushneim Yachtav, right? That he was with his father. Whatever his father said, he was willing, he was willing to accept. So here, here we have Pasukhe Vayered Hashem So God comes down indicating indicate that before God came down God was not so much around. I mean, could, could you say that? I mean, it, it was the, these people who are doing whatever they're doing are not confronting the presence of God at the same time. They're, they're, they're doing their thing. They're, doing their, they're not concerned about whether God would agree or accept or not, or reject. Pasuk vayomer Hashem hein am echad echad la'asot. And that's what caused them to do. Caused them to do what? What is it, what is it that they did? It will not be denied to them, whatever it was that they wanted to, to do. So let's look at the Rashi. Safa Achat, Lashon HaKodesh, Achadim. They got together, they thought about the problem, had this idea that, uh, uh, that this distinction, that the people are the Elyonim, who see, have some kind of advantage over us, we should bring that to an end. We should uh, uh, 
we're going to fight with them, we'll, we'll, we'll do battle. Davar Acher, al shel olam. They were talking about the connectiveness, the oneness of the world. Davar Acher, udvarim achadim. Okay, what do the words dvarim achadim mean? Amru, achat l'elot v'sheish v'ut chamishim v'sheish anim, arakia mitmotet kishem she'asa b'yemei ha'mabur. Okay, so the Medrash said, the, the, the Medrash sort of say, what are they, crazy? Like, what, are they going to go and build a migdala, go up to heaven? I mean, where did they get such an idea? They said, well, they knew that there would be a mabu, and they knew that the world would be destroyed. So if they could somehow prop up the rakia, and keep the waters above, above, and the water then below, it would be all right. So, whatever that might mean. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, what, what I mean to say is, what I mean to say is that these people who spoke a language, who spoke the same, the language of creation, they saw, they saw what they felt was a fault in creation. And the fault in creation was that they were not able, they were not able to achieve the heights or the closeness to God that they realized were there. They were right there in front of them. It was right there. They could go up to heaven. I mean, they can't because of the rakia. But it was right there. The rakia not only hid heaven from them, it indicated to them that it, there was heaven. It was there. So, so what did they want? They wanted to go to heaven. They want heaven, they said, if God is in heaven, it must be pretty good up in heaven. So maybe we should go there. Maybe we should go up to, up to heaven. And so they planned it, right? They planned uh, uh, their uh, thing. Pasuk Gimel, look, see, Rashi says, Uma lo Uma, Mitzrayim lekush, lekush leput, put leknan, hava hizminu atzmechem. Be ready. Kol haba, kol hava, Lishon hazmanahi. The word hava means readiness. Shemichinim atzmam. They get themselves ready. Mitchaburim lamlacha. They get connected to the to the task. Ola itza or to the advice. Ola lemasa or to the burden. Hava his minu his minu. Right. Whatever whatever the laws means. Leveinim uh, again. Uh, HaKadosh Baruch says to them, Pasukei Vayerit Hashem Lerot, we said what we said, Lohu Tzrach Lekach, Elaba Lelamed Ledayanim, Shelo Yashiu HaNidon Ad Sheyiru Vyavinu. You know, sometimes Rashi says that the Pasuk, the words in the Pasuk can't really apply to what it seems to be talking about, because it's either extraneous, unnecessary, or theologically unacceptable. In this case, theologically unacceptable. Because the only way you could say about God, Vayered, is if God is not every place. You, you can't move from one place to another if you're in both places. So Vayered Hashem Lerot creates a, a, a theological difficulty. And Rashi says, This has nothing to do with God. But it teaches me something about Dayanim. 
they should not find the uh, the nidon the uh, the the uh, whatever it is uh, guilty. You should not find the person who is uh, being uh, attacked. Shouldn't find him guilty. And as you go down the Dayanim, they sit on a high platform. Mm-hmm. Even here in Israel, they do, I mean, in not in the small Dayanut, but in the, the major Dayanut, they all, it's like those old schools in Germany, you know, the teachers would sit on a platform, on a, in front of, in back of a desk on a platform so that the kids should know that he's the teacher. There was apparently no other way. So, so this, this, these words vayered. I mean, I, I emphasize this because it's important for us to try to figure out what the words mean. So, I, I, I made a suggestion. Vayered Hashem lirot meant that up to now in the story they didn't feel the connection with God. These people who are building the Migdal Babel didn't feel the connection to God. And then, and then it says, B'nei ha'adam, ele b'nei mi. What do you have to say, b'nei ha'adam? Shema b'nei chamurim u'gmalim. Maybe they're the children of donkeys and camels. Ele b'nei adam arishon. They're the children of the first man. Shekafar et ha'tova v'amar ha'isha. Asher natat imadihi. He kind of rejected the goodness that God gave him. You know, gave him a wife. And he said, no, this woman that you gave me, she caused all this trouble. Right? They also were These people, all of these people were not willing to accept the limitation of creation, which was that you can't go up to heaven. You can't go up to heaven. Okay. I wanted to show you a, a passage from the, the Shei Mishmuel, but it's got lost instead. What I got here is this picture of this painting by Turner. You see that? Found in the Tate Gallery. Instead of Turner, I asked for the Shei Mishmuel, but whoever did it thought Turner was more important. So you can decide on your own. But now I'll tell you what I think the, the shot is in all of this. Here, here, here is Yaakov. Uh, Yaakov, he has, he has certain um, doubts about his own position because he's not able, he's not able to overcome Asa. He went with his mother. He fooled his father, right? He, he got dressed up. He brought food. He received the blessing. He finally received the blessing of Avram Avinu from his father at the end of last week's parsha. Remember, remember if you remember the, the, the story, Yitzchak said, I'm going to give you a bracha. He said it to Esau, but he ended up giving it to, to Yaakov. And then Esau came along and he said, what? No bracha for me? I mean, so, yeah, so Yitzchak gave him a bracha as well. Now both of these brachas were about Olam Hazek kind of brachas which means that Yitzchak knew very well that Yaakov was going to get the bracha of Avraham because he gave it to him at the end of the parsha of last week's parsha. Nevertheless, in spite of all that, in spite of all that went, that, uh, that Yaakov went through, 
he was unable to take the seat of Yitzchak at that time. He was unable to, to be vindicated before Esau. He was unable to convince Esau that he was the inheritor. Esau, other Esau, I'm going to kill him. He said he was going to kill him, and Yitzchak and Rivka, who should have known, were really afraid of this threat of Esau's. In other words, they didn't say, no, no, he has no children, but the promise is that he's going to have children, and we're not afraid of Esau. But there was a kind of a breakdown of faith on the part of Yitzchak and Rivka that could not have but affected Yaakov. Yaakov was looking to his parents for strength and support. Instead of strength and support, they received that nervousness and you better run away, you better go to my family and, you know, as far away as you can. I mean, Esau's not going to chase you because Esau has claims to the land around here. So Esau is going to stay and you can run and, and, and that must have created a certain amount of, of unpleasantness in the heart of, in the heart of Esau. In the heart of Yaakov. So Yaakov is running and he goes to sleep and he has a dream. Now what is Yaakov thinking about? What is Yaakov thinking about? Yaakov is saying, look, if my parents are worried, if I have no guarantee, if I have no guarantee that, uh, uh, that I'm going to be Yaakov, the son of Yitzchak, and that Esau is going to fade into oblivion, not into oblivion, but it's going to fade out of the family. If I don't have any guarantees, so who says I'm going to come back? So in order to emphasize the fact that Yaakov is going to come back, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Yaakov, listen Yaakov, personally, you're going to get the bracha, right? You're going to get the bracha, and that should be, that should be enough to satisfy Yaakov. But it probably was not. There was some innovation that Yaakov had to have, that Yaakov had to receive. In other words, as far as Yaakov was concerned, the bracha to Abraham had already become depleted in the, in the hands of Yitzchak and Rivka. Yitzchak and Rivka apparently were not certain. They were not certain that, that it would all work out. So they told Yaakov to run away. Yaakov wanted certainties, and the certainty came, the second half of the certainty came to Yaakov through uh, the second half, through the promise. God promised Yaakov, just as God promised Abraham and God promised Yitzchak, God promised Yaakov. But that probably was not enough. That probably was not enough because Yaakov would have said, but even my parents are not certain. Even Yitzchak and Rivka are not certain about what's going to be. So even if you tell me, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the promise is still alive and well, I don't know that it will be, that it will be fulfilled. And this is the issue in the book of Bereshis, right? You can say that all through the, the theme of the book of Bereshis, usually we say, like the Ramban said, that the, the theme of the Book of Bereshis is Bria. But the theme of, the, the, uh, you could say, or what, what I think is more, uh, uh, reflects more of the Book of Bereshit, is that the theme of Bereshit is Bitochon. 
Bitochem meaning having confidence that no matter what the situation you're in is, the divine promise will be kept. That's the, that's the overriding issue in, in Breshit. And here you have Yaakov. Yaakov got this crunch. Because if Yaakov gets a promise from God, it's not any different than the promise that Avram received, that Yitzchak received, which has fallen into some sort of disuse along the way. So Yaakov has a dream. Yaakov has a dream. And that dream is in fact an answer to the question of what the Anshay shame in the end, embracing Perik, uh, Perik Yud Aleph did. I mean, what was it? What was it that they did? They responded to the rakia. It's like, it's like you have a drawer, you know, you have locked, you keep a, you have one drawer in your house that has a key and you keep it locked. So the people come to steal the stuff in your house, they go right to that drawer. And they say, let's open that one. Let's get that open. It must be something good there because it's hidden away. So that the human being, Adam and Chava and their children and descendants were brought, were created with this mystery, the mystery of the Rakia. What's above, what's above the Rakia? And so they decided, they decided to try, to try to find out, to get to that which is being hidden from them from that knowledge that they are not able to adopt and to use. So they built a migdal. Rosho was in heaven. It was mamish in, in heaven. Vayered Hashem. And HaKadosh Baruch came down to show his disappointment with them, that they were unable, they were unable to kind of uh, uh, live with the mystery of the rakia. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you guys are down here and up there there's something else. Something better, something more interesting, something better, but not, it's not for you. You can't go there. You can't go up to there. So Yaakov was leaving Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov was leaving Eretz Yisrael. And what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu show him? Then in spite of the the Migdal Bavel story. There is, it's not true that there's an absolute cap on connecting the world below the Rakia with the world above the Rakia. And the Migdal Bavel that they could not build in Bavel will be built Bamakom Hazev in this place, and that's what Shar HaShamayim is. Shar HaShamayim is the opening in the Rakia, which enables you to kind of get from the world in which you live to the world in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the angels are to, be, are to be found. So that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave this new information. You know, Chazal say that there was, that there's a base Hamikdash in heaven, which kind of parallels the Beis HaMikdash on earth. And that means, that means that there's a place for us in heaven. I mean, not a place for us, Olam Haba, after people die, but there is a way to heaven for people who are alive, Olam Hazen. 
And so HaKadosh Baruch told this secret to Yaakov. And because he told this secret to Yaakov, it guaranteed that Yaakov would come back. Because Yaakov became the incarnation of Migdal Bavel. He was the one who knew it. He was the one who knew that he knew, he knew that to be true. That the fact that Migdal Bavel was not successful was a result of the fact that they did not build it in the right place and it did not go up to Shar HaShamayim. What it did was shake up the rakia, which was unacceptable. HaKadosh Baruch said that the Migdal Bavel is not going to work, it's not going to connect. But to Yaakov Avinu, to Yaakov Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch said, you know where it is. You know what you can have here that you can never have in Bavel. And on that basis, I'm certain that you will return, that you'll return to Eretz Canaan. Because it's not just the promise of children. It's also not the promise of, of wealth of one kind or another, having land. But it's the promise of Shar HaShamayim, which can only exist. I mean, that's what the, the, the uh, Migdal Bavel people didn't understand. They didn't understand that you could do it. That the rakia is known to us and it was there in order to be uh, 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 broken into, so to speak. We should go to it, but we had to go to it in the, through it in the proper place, in the place that was designated. And that was the place which is called ultimately Shara Shamayim. We have the ladder uh, in, on earth, but the head of the ladder is where God is. And the Malachim Olim Yordim, meaning that they, it is their place. They have a place there. But it, through the dream that Yaakov had, it was opened up to him. It could be yours, Yaakov. The base Hamidash could get you beyond the Rakia into heaven. And on that basis, with that knowledge, with that information that, with, that Avram Avinu was not privy to, even though Avram Avinu did Akeres Yitzchak Moriah, yes, but he was not privy to this piece of information that there's a ladder that connects the earth to beyond the Rakia into heaven. That he didn't, was not aware of. But HaKadosh Baruch made Yaakov aware of that because it had to be perfectly clear to Yaakov that the, the, the highest kind of experience that we can have, Bolam can only be in that place at that time. Okay, I'm sorry, we're missing. If you, if you have a chance, the Shemesh Mul Tov Reish Ayin Beis. Tov Reish Ayin Beis talks about this question. All the best.